morning, everyone. Stand here this morning. I guess this is a this is a great privilege, but I also stand with trepidation. It's a privilege because uh, I have an opportunity here to speak to you, young men, you young ladies. My heart is full, and I hope I'll be able to express my, my heart, my, my thoughts this morning to you young people. I stand in a little bit of trepidation and, and fear that you know, there's probably many others that could speak more aptly than, than I will this morning, but I, I hope you can look past me, and as you've already been exhorted this morning to to seek the Lord this week, to, to set your heart, to seek Him. You know, I know that, that all of your hearts have some desire, have some, some yearnings, uh, something that you, that you need to seek the Lord for. You know, maybe there's some unrest, maybe there's, maybe there's some sin, there's some that are wayward, there's, there's something that you need of the Lord. This week is for you to so seek the Lord. But maybe more importantly, this, this week is for God. You know, don't don't rob God of of this time of giving your your heart, your your affection, your allegiance to Him this week, your your time in seeking Him. Don't rob God of that. But give God His due. And God will bless you for it, young people. So with that, why don't we just pause for a word of prayer. Yes, Lord, we do bow before you this morning in the opening of the Bible school. Father, we look to you and you alone that you would come into our midst, into our presence. That by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would rest upon our hearts. That you would bring a solemnness, that you would bring a openness a yieldedness to you. Lord, you know all our hearts. You know all our, our desires. You know, you know where we're at. And perhaps this week, you just want us to acknowledge where we're at, just the way you have asked Adam, Adam, where are you? He knew very well where Adam was, but yet you asked. And... Maybe that's the question that you have for all of us here this week. Where are you? And Lord, we want to respond to you. We want to yield to you. And we want you to speak to our hearts. So Father, I just pray in this time that you would just come and speak to us, Lord. We love you. We want to serve you. And worship you and praise you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, this morning I want to speak to young people about vision. About vision, about where you're going, what your aim is. What, what a, you know, you look at your life, what are you, what are you aiming at? What, a, what is the thrust of your life? 
When you think about vision, I looked at the dictionary and the obvious definition of vision is the faculty of being able to see. If, if you have vision, you can see, you, you, you perceive things, you, you, your eyes can look out and you can see. I can, look, I can look out here this morning, I can see each of you. That's, you know, that's the basic definition of vision. But another definition of vision is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. It's to be able to look out into the future. It's to be able to, to look out, to discern. It's to be able to direct one step, to set a direction for your life, to plan a course. That is the vision that we want to speak about today. That's the aim that I, that I hope to convey to you young people today is, is that you would set a course, that you would plan a course of action in your life. You know, this could be a good opportunity this, this week to, to set some things right. To You know, maybe your course has been wayward. Maybe your course has been, you know, kind of going all over the place. Maybe this week you can set a course straight. You can, you can come to the Lord and make some fresh commitments to the Lord. Lord, I, I have been going this way. I've been going that way. I've been going everywhere. My course hasn't been steady. My course hasn't been straight. This week, I want to set my course straight. I want you to establish me. This could be a time this week of seeking the Lord uh, to be able to look out, you know, where will you be five years from now? The decisions you make today, the decisions you make this week could very well affect where you will be five years from now. To be able to look out into the future with imagination and wisdom, to be able to look out in the future, to be established in, in the Word of God, I, I hope that comes out in my message today. It's, it's, it's we need to be established in the Word of God. We need to have the wisdom that comes from the word of God. That's, that's what we want to set our aim to. That's what we want to set our course by. Well, that, that's what we want our navigation to be set on. The North Star. You know, if you, if you think about navigation, if you, if you can find where the north, the due north is, which is probably back here somewhere, but if you know where north is, you can figure out any other direction. But if you have no clue where the north is, then you're lost. You, you don't know if this is east, west, south. You don't know where you're going. But if you can figure out where north is, you can figure out any other direction. The Bible, the word of God, is the true north. It is what we want to set our navigation by. It's what we want to be aiming for. Another thing I want to challenge all of you this morning is you are responsible to set your vision. You know, it's, it's in your control. You know, it's not outside of your control. It's not your circumstances that set your vision, that set your aim. You know, some of you may be coming from a difficult home from, from church troubles or you know, there may be all kinds of pressures in your life. And you say, well, that is what's determining my vision. That is what's determining my course. I can't help it. 
You know, that's just my circumstances are difficult and they're hard. And I don't want to lessen that. I don't want to say, well, you know, just get over it. You know, they may be difficult. They may be hard. But that is not what sets our course. We set our course. We set where we want to go. You know, when Joseph was in Egypt, you know, he had a course. He, his circumstances were all adverse. It wasn't just one bad circumstance that came to Joseph that his brother sold him into Egypt. But one circumstance after another, he, he could at, at any point in time just raise his arm. I can't help it. You know, I, I'm, here, I'm, against, I'm here against my will. This just is not working. I might as well just give up. I might as well just give up on God and just do what I want or just throw it all away. But he didn't. He had a course that was set in his heart. And even though there was great adversity against him to set him off course, and there was great temptations that came against him, you know, Joseph had a course. And he was able to say, how could I do this great sin against God when he was greatly tempted? No, I will not sin against God. I have set my course to go after God, to be directed by God. I will not sin against him. I will not deny him. I will not, I will not falter. Daniel and his three friends, you know, they could be another example that we could look to. Adverse circumstances. But they said they chose, and I want to emphasize that this morning to young people. You set, you choose where you set your aim, where you're going. Your circumstances may be difficult, but I believe that God is able to give you grace if you will surrender, if you will allow him to. He will give you direction. You will end up going where you intend to go. It's it's your it's where you set your vision, it's where you set your your affection. That's what you will have. One of the emphasis that I want to make to young people is this morning is to set your affections, to set your, to set your aim at the Lord Jesus Christ fully and him alone. There's many, there's many things in this life that we can set our aim to, that we can set our affections to, that we can, that we can go. Our, there's many loves, there's many idols that we can have in this life. But may we set our hearts on the Lord Jesus Christ. I... As of late, I've been greatly blessed and challenged by just a, a phrase that I, I came across in a German hymn. And the phrase is quite simple, but profound if you consider it for some time. I have found or I have what my heart has been asking for. I have what my heart has been asking for. And as I ponder those words, I have to ask my own heart. Heart, do you have 
what you're asking for? Do you have everything you want? Are you fully satisfied? Is your heart serene, peaceful, quiet, restful? Because you have what you've been asking for. And the tenor of the song speaks about sacrifice. It speaks about the longing for Jesus Christ, the longing for his fullness, and, and the wondrous praise of what Christ has done for us, that he has ransomed us, that he has bought us, that, that he has made us his own. And now my heart has what it's been asking for. And I am content, I am satisfied. I thought this morning, does anybody know what a oscilloscope is? Probably a bad example then. But I think I'll throw it out anyway. Just this morning as I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? What if we could hook up a oscilloscope to our heart? An oscilloscope is basically a instrument that measures electrical impulses and shows you the electrical signal as it's passing through a conductor, the exact frequency of, of the signal, whatever it is. You've probably all seen a heart monitor where the heart monitor goes up and down. That's sort of an oscilloscope. It, it's just measuring some electrical impulse. And I thought, well, this morning, well, what, what if our hearts were hooked up to an oscilloscope? What if today your heart was hooked up to an oscilloscope and you could just see what signals are coming from your heart? You know, is, there, is it just a wild mass of signals, just, just affections and, and desires and, and just, just noise that's coming out of your heart? Or is it just a quiet signal, peaceful, restful? I have what my heart has been asking for. I have the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm established in him. My heart is quiet. Peaceful, serene, restful. That's what I would like for you young people to consider this morning. As you consider your course, as you consider what you're aiming for. The Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient for all of us. He should be what our heart is yearning for. And if we have him, we have everything. Uh, Paul wrote in Corinthians, how did he say it? Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. The world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you're Christ, and Christ is God. That is a foundation. That is something that we could be established in or that we should be established in that, that if we have Christ, we have all things. We don't need all the other things that our hearts can, can, can hanker after and, and desire. We have Christ. And let, let our hearts just be content in that today. Let us surrender to him and let him be the fullness of our hearts if I can encourage you, young people, just ask yourself, do I have everything that I want? If we have Christ, then truly we, we, we have to be able to say, I have what my heart has been asking for.
may be we overjoyed of having Christ. Jesus says, if your eye be single, then your whole life is going to be filled with light. But if your eye is evil, then it's full of your, your life is full of darkness. But this morning, if our eye, if what we're aiming for, if what we're pursuing is the Lord Jesus Christ, if we look steadfastly into his face, we will be filled with light. We will be filled with knowing where to go. I mean, you know, there's times, you know, I've experienced, and I'm sure you have, where you just almost raise your hands in, 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 in exasperation. God, I don't know what you want. I don't know about my life. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what is out there. What's in tomorrow? I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know where you want me to be. But our life is filled with light. Light helps us to see. It gives us vision. Without light, we, none of us can see without light. If we will set our eye single on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will give us vision. He will give us direction. We won't walk in darkness. We won't stumble in darkness. We will have light. You want to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We need, we need vision. We need to be established. Colossians chapter 2, I'll read verse 7, a couple of verses there. Rooted and, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of the world, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and all power. These verses speak about being rooted, being solid. And it's rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's rooted in the word of God. And there's a warning, there's an exhortation. Beware lest any man spoil you. Spoil you is to take away from you. When in the, in the old times, when in, in the battles, the, the warriors would go out there and they would defeat their foe and they would spoil. They would bring back the, the booty, the, you know, the valuables. They would spoil. They would basically strip everything of value and take it back with them. Beware lest anyone... Paul is exhorting us here. Beware lest anyone spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world. All the love that can be beckoning for our attention, all the things that want to distract us, beware lest 
Those things spoil us. Those, take, those things take us away from the wealth that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've all heard the, the verse quoted many times, without a vision, the people perish, or the people become to ruin. You know, I think it's this, this very thought of, of being spoiled. You know, you have something valuable, and you're, you're caused to relinquish it. You're caused to, to give it away because somebody beguiles you. Somebody comes along and says, you know, that, that's really not that valuable. You know, why don't you give it up for this thing over here? And Paul exhorts, don't give it up for the rudiments of the world. Don't give it up for the elements of the world. Don't be spoiled. Don't be robbed of that which is valuable. To be rooted in Jesus Christ, to be rooted in the principles of the word of God is valuable. Those things which you have been taught. You know, most of you have been in Christian homes all your life. You've been, you've been hearing the instruction of the word of God. Those things are valuable. Don't be beguiled of them. Don't let Satan ruin you and take away from you those things which have been instilled in you. Without a vision, people perish or come to ruin Without a vision, families are destroyed. Families let go of things. They are, they are spoiled by Satan. They are robbed of the valuable things. And, and they're given a cheap imitation. They're given something that is of lesser value. And we relinquish it. Dear young people, hold on to that which is good. Hold tight to it. Don't let it go. Let your vision be continually set upon those things that are of value. And it's the word of God. Homes are destroyed. Churches are destroyed for a lack of vision. Spoiled by the rudiments of the world. What are we setting our aim. What is, what is the thrust of our life? What, are, what do we want to accomplish in life? I want to give you a brief story here of a true happenings to kind of illustrate my point of what we're trying to accomplish. The year was 1911, June of 1911, in Antarctica which is the heart of the polar winter. A expedition of three people set out. Now normally they would probably go in the, more in the polar summertime, but they chose to go in the wintertime in the dead of winter. They needed to go at this time for their purpose. So they set out temperatures plummeting to minus 60 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 70, or minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. It was bitter cold. It was dark. They couldn't see. They could see very dimly in the moonlight. That was the only light they had. And they plunged out into this blizzard conditions, freezing cold. They, took, they had two sleds that they, were, that they thought they could just push along. But as they went further, 
they realized that they couldn't pull these sleds. The snow was hindering them. So they, they literally had to take, the three of them had to pull one sled a certain way. They had to relay the sleds along. They pulled one sled along a certain distance, then went back, got the other sled, and they pulled them all along. For every mile they traveled, they had to go three miles in, in these conditions, freezing conditions. And they finally got to the camp where they were going. It took them 19 days in this bitter cold. And we may ask, what in the world were they after? Were they after gold? Were they after fame? What was the prize that they were willing to hazard their lives for? To go out in these conditions. To plunge through this cold, dark Antarctica. You know, some people have done it for fame to reach the North Pole, to reach the South Pole. You know, many have lost their lives as well. But what were these men after? Eggs. Eggs. The eggs of the emperor penguin. That's what they were after. And they finally got to Cape Cozier, where these penguins were nesting in June. And they were able to snatch three eggs from the emperor penguins. And they lost three on the way back, but nonetheless, they, they came back with three eggs. It's quite an accomplishment. It's quite something to risk your whole life to capture three eggs. Well, this illustration I'm trying to make is, what did they give their life for? And literally, they gave their life. Two, two of those men later died in a different expedition. And the one man, that, one man that survived was said never to be right again. Because on this expedition, he was so cold that he literally shattered his teeth from chattering. And he literally was never the same for the rest of his life. But he had three eggs. Can we say he gave his life for these three eggs? You know, if you look back over the accomplishment of his life and say, well, I, I, I didn't accomplish much in life, but I got three eggs. Now, there was more prestige to it. You know, they were for scientific research to, to figure out the, the evolutionary process of these emperor penguins. But it turns out when the eggs got to the scientists that actually needed them, the scientists died and they later determined that these eggs really aren't the best use for studying the evolutionary process, so the eggs just ended up in a museum. Now, we don't need them after all. Really? I just risked my life capturing them and you don't need them? The pursuit of life. If we close the chapter of our life, will it be said, you know, he, you know, he, 
He didn't accomplish much in life, but he was able to get three eggs. What is the pursuit of our life? What are we going after? You young people have many dreams undoubtedly before you, many things that you probably want to do. I know when I was a young man, uh, I'm like, I, I hope I live long enough to do this, to do that. You know, I, I want to achieve some things in life. You know, that I want to experience some things yet in life before I just die. And, you know, that's all good. You know, we all have desires. We all have things that we want to accomplish. You know, that's all, that's all good and right. But there is the brevity of life. There is the shortness of life. That if we just set our hearts after our own passions, after what we want to accomplish, we could just miss out and we could just end up at the end of life with just three eggs to show for our, uh, all the, the things in life, you know, subsist to three penguin eggs. Your course that you set today is going to determine where you end up. It's going to determine what you end up at the end of your life. Your life will soon be over. And, and, It's probably hard for you young people to, to see that, to fully appreciate that. But life quickly passes by. I've, in the last while, I've do, been doing some reading just on, on history. And one of the impressions that, that has come strong upon my heart as I, as I read history, and you see a thousand years compressed into a few pages. And in that thousands of years, the, the people that have come and gone. Emperors that, you know, that began to rule and they, they thought they had the world at their disposal. And before they even realized it, they were passing off the scene. You know, many emperors, I think of the, in, in the Roman times, you know, there was many emperors you know, they, they came into power, and they thought they had many years. They thought they had many things to accomplish. You know, you could tell by the way they, the very way they conducted themselves, they thought they had many more years than they actually had. Many were just cut short, and they didn't even realize that their life was just going to cut to be cut to an end so quickly. When we look at history, and we have a vantage point, if you know anything about history, young people, we have a vantage point, you know, that is of some advantage, because we can, we can look back in history, and we can see what mankind has tried to accomplish, what mankind has tried to strive over, and many of those things, how vain it was. You know, if somebody was struggling for power, when somebody was, was trying to, you know, to establish a big kingdom, their life is over so quickly. If you take a thousand years and compress them into a few pages in history, you begin to appreciate the words of Scripture. 
All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass wither, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. If I can stress to you young people this morning, this is what will endure forever. This, if you are anchored in, will give you substance, will give you something that will endure forever. If your pursuits are short of the word of God, are outside of the word of God, they will not endure. Men have sought kingdoms, men have sought empires, they have ruled over millions of people, and they were cut off. Their glory passed off as the flower of the field or of the grass. And they came to an end and they had nothing. But God's word tells us that the word of God endureth forever. It is when we plant ourselves, anchor ourselves in the word of God that we have something enduring. Something that will last, something that will go beyond this life. So let's set our vision, let's set our aim for something that is, that is greater, that is longer than this life. Young people, believe it or not, before you know it, you will, you will be older. You will be old, and your life will pass on. Are you established in the word of God? God, help us to have an accomplishment, to, to have something at the end of our life to show more than three penguin eggs. To be established in the word of God, to be established in, in what is eternal. You know, for a young person, maybe speaking to young men, you know, how much money, how much of your time, how much of your talent is spent on idle pursuits, you know, or no real direction. You know, whatever, whatever just pleases me today. You know, young men spending thousands of dollars on, you know, cars, trucks, toys, if you will. Because these things are what excite our hearts. But so much can be squandered, so much of our time, so much of our effort. You know, I've, I've thought, you know, as a, as a young man growing up and, and looking at my own peers, looking at my own life, you know, how much of a young person's, especially a young man's life, can be consumed by trying to uh, be attractive to the young ladies. You know, whether it's my fancy car, whether it's my clothes that I wear, I, I just want to make myself attractive. I can spend so much energy, I can spend so much money to try and be somebody, to try and uh, make myself important. And it's vain because it passes on so soon. Put your energy in, in the Lord. Put your energy in the word of God. Be established in him. 
in those things which are eternal, those things which are last. Don't be ensnared by the demands of the world. I mentioned cars and trucks. You know, there's technology. There's, you know, our world is saturated with technology. And and you young people are probably very savvy to that. You probably know of the latest technology, some of you. You probably know all the specs. You know the the latest phones and the computers and, you know, how much faster they are and they can do this better and they can do that better. And, oh, it's so endless. You know, what I had last month is now so old. It's so obsolete. It's so, um, so yesterday. I need something new. You know, it's so, so vain. You know, let's, let's, let's go higher. Let's go into something more substantial than just what is the latest. Don't, don't sell out for that. Don't give your life to that. I suppose this could be a, a time when I could just make some little interjection here on technology. You know, I don't want to, this morning, speak to young people. Uh, I suppose as an old codger who's out of touch and you don't understand. But I, I do feel that perhaps the word I can speak, that hopefully you can just hear my heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not an extreme position on technology. I see the value of technology. I use it every day of my life. I see it as a tool. It's useful. It has a place. You know, a carpenter has a hammer. He uses it as a tool. But if that's the only tool he ever uses, he wouldn't be much of a carpenter. You don't cut a board with a hammer. There's a, there's a place that technology has in our in our lives, if we've ever sent an email, we didn't get out a pen or an envelope or a stamp, but the other party received an email that we sent and they received it within seconds. It was it's very quick communication. It can be very useful, but there's some very detrimental things when it comes to technology. And I want to just raise a couple points here to young people for you to consider. I'm not going to give you a prohibition on technology. I don't think that's my place. You have authorities in your life that are hopefully looking after you. Just want to give you some considerations. When it comes to technology, there has to be maturity in place. And I ask you young people, are you mature? when it comes to technology. What I mean by mature is, you know I me, mean? you might say, well, of course I'm mature. I am, I'm 18 years old. I'm strong. I can hold on a job. I can, I can do the work of an adult. I am an adult. In the world's eyes, I'm an adult. I'm 18 years old. Of course I'm mature. 
Now, that's not the maturity I'm speaking of. I'm speaking about being mature in the Word of God, of being rooted and grounded in the Word of God, rooted and grounded in the principles of the Word of God. One of the areas that technology touches us and, and that we must face is in the area of morality. Just by the sheer number of you young people that are here, over 100 of you, you know, statistics tell us that some of you are struggling in the area of morality. That's just statistics. I don't know you, but statistics would tell us that is, that is a reality. So I want to bring that to an issue of maturity. Are you established in the word of God? Are you established as Joseph was? God forbid that I should sin against him, against God. I'm established in what God has spoken. I'm established in the word of God. I'm established what God has said. And I, I'm not going to deviate away from that. That is majority, maturity. That is being grounded. Young people, if you are not grounded in the reality and the truth of knowing how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor, then technology, you're not mature enough to have technology. I'm not speaking to you in ill will or, or uh, I'm just speaking the truth. You will hurt yourself and you will hurt others. You are not mature if you don't know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. If you're not mature in that, it's a good chance you will stumble. Another area is in relationships. If you're not established, if you're not mature, if you don't see the value in real relationships, in what we have right here, right now, where there's preaching, where there's exhortation, where there's peer relationships, real people talking, real people communicating, where you have families that are communicating, where you have a church function where one is exhorting another, where there's brotherhood, If you don't value that, then you will fall as the world is. How many of us have gone into a restaurant or in some public place? It's probably more prevalent in a restaurant where you see a family. Maybe you see a couple there, just two people. Instead of them, you know, they have an opportunity. They just went out for supper. Now they have the opportunity to communicate one to another. And they're sitting there on their phones. Or maybe you have a family that's sitting around the table. And they're all on their phone. The only interaction is every once in a while someone who picks up their phone. And then they go back. That's the only interaction. That is not relationship. That is not being mature in relationships. I think our society, I know our society is going to suffer extremely for this. The next generation is not going to know how to communicate. They're not going to know how to have real relationships. This whole thing of social 
media is really a misnomer. It's not social at all. It's actually antisocial. You don't build relationships on social media. They're not real relationships. Real relationships are personal. They're one-to-one. They're, they're real. These virtual ones are not. And if you're not established to value what is real, then you will fall for something that is not real. And it will be a detriment to you. You know, social networking, social media actually causes depression. It causes people to take their own lives because they're trying to find some meaning. They're trying to find some importance. I am somebody after all, and nobody pays any attention to me. I might as well just kill myself. It's not real. Maturity. Maturity speaks about being rooted being no, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm aiming at. I know, what my, I know where I'm going. And if you don't, then technology is, is going to be very detrimental to you. In morality, in relationships. Are you mature in temperance? That's difficult for young people. Not speaking ill of you. I was a young person. I know, I know the tendencies of, of myself when I was a young person. Technology, especially phones, are very addictive. If you're not established in the place where you can say, this thing is not my Lord. This thing will not rule over me. I will not bow every time it dings and chimes I am its master. If you can't put it in its place, then you don't have the maturity, you don't have the temperance. And maturity doesn't come with age. It comes by reason of use. It becomes by being established. Just because somebody may have gray hair doesn't make them mature. You're mature because you're established. You know what is valuable. You know what God's word has decreed. You know what God's heart is. And you're setting your course according to that. That is maturity. And I hope, dear young people, that you can just hear my heart in that. That if you use technology, if you're not mature, if you're not established, maybe you need to reconsider. Setting a vision, setting, setting a course for your life, getting a compass for your soul. Where are you going? What's your heart aiming at? What, is, what are you drawn to? You know, the compass always wants to go to the north. You know, it's constantly, no matter which way you try and turn that compass quickly, the needle always wants to go to the north. That's... That's just the way it works. May our course be the same way, young people. May your heart, no matter what you face, no matter what temptations come your way, no matter what circumstances come your way, may you always face to the north again. Face to the north. Turn and look steadfast 
to the word of God. Look steadfast to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I wanted to speak to young ladies as well. Maybe I could turn to a scripture. I have to acknowledge here, I, I struggle to be practical at times. But this, this is always amusing to me because I don't even have to try and be practical. It's just in the word of God. I mean, it's, it's just right here. So if you want to turn your Bibles to... First uh, Timothy, chapter five, verse fourteen. I will therefore that the young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give no occasion to the adversary. To speak reproachfully. Now you may say, why in the world are you reading that? Why are you bringing that to our attention? We're not married. We don't have children. Why are you bringing that? Well, we're talking about aim. We're talking about a direction. We're talking about where you're going. What your desires are. I want to read one more verse here in, in Titus. You know, it speaks kind of the same thing. In Titus 2, 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The Lord should tarry. I believe, as it has been in prior generations, many of you in this room are going to be married sometime. I believe that's God's will for you, at least for the majority. You know, there's some that, you know, may not be married, but Paul is saying, you know, I will that young women marry. You know, that's it's God's will. You know, there's nothing, marriage is good. For a young man to find a woman is, is a good thing. Many of you will be married. You may say, well, good. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I want to be married. But then what? You know, after you're married, what is, what is your vision? What do you see after you're married? Paul says that they bear children. That should be a vision in your heart. The world doesn't see it that way, young ladies. The world doesn't see children as a blessing. The world sees children as, in some way, as a necessity, and in some ways as... I mean, our world is so upside down. You know, we have today... Women that 
they, they want to have a child, but they don't want to bear a child. So they have some other woman bear a child from a surrogate mother, bear a child from, because they don't want their body to be affected by having a child. So they have some other woman have a child for them. It is totally upside down. Paul says, I will that young women, women marry and have children, bear children, and to love children, and to be a keeper at home, to, to love their husband. That should be what's set in your heart right now. That should be what you desire right now. Not romantic ideals. You know, when I get married, you know, I, I think, well, it'd be so nice if we could just gallivant around for a couple of years and then, you know, after we've had fun as a couple just together, just, just us two, then maybe we'll have some children and, and go on. That's not what the Word of God tells us. It tells us young women bear children. It should be just in your heart. It should just be there. In my own life, I I can tell of my experience. I was, when I was getting to know a young woman that is now my wife, you know, there was, as I was contemplating, is this this the young woman that I want to marry? You know, I, I liked her. I liked to be around her. She was... She was attractive. She was fun. I liked her. But there was something that was kind of bothering me, and I, I don't know that I could really put my finger on exactly what it was. You know, she had, she had a career. She had a job. She had a better job than I did. She made more money than I did. You know, maybe that kind of irked me a little bit. But I don't think that was really the, the entire thing, you know. So one day we were sitting down and we just had a heart-to-heart talk. And, and in the conversation, I asked her, is this really what you want? Is this what you want, a career uh, to, to be away from home? Because that's not what I wanted for a wife. I didn't want somebody that... I wanted to have a family. I was 23 at the time. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. I didn't have a lot of people speaking into my life. I didn't know much, but at least I knew that much. I wanted a family. I didn't want a wife that just had a career. That didn't want to stop a career to have children. And so I asked her, is this really what you want? And she didn't even pause... She says, no, that's not what I want. I want to have children. I want to be married. I was like, well, fancy that. You, know, you want to be married? I want to be married. You want to have children? I want to have children. Hmm, something could work out here. No. But it was in my wife's heart. She loved children. Anybody that knows my wife knows that she... She loves children. She loves her own children. And she loves other people's children. She loves children. That's just something that is in her heart. And it's not, 
And it's something that I guess I would like to just leave the impression upon you, your sisters as well. Love children. You know, should the Lord bring you into marriage, love children. Be desirous to bear children, to love your children, to nourish your children, to be a keeper at home. That's what God has called you to. That's being grounded in the word of God. That's having a vision according to the word of God. Our world has a different vision. It has a different course that it's going on. But we want to set our course according to what God's word is saying. And it's going to deviate away from what the world is saying. We want to set our course. We want to set our direction to what God has for us. And so I hope that makes sense, young ladies. I know you're not married right now. I know you don't have children. I know you don't have a husband. But may may your heart desire the things of God because when when you get married, what you set in your heart right now is probably what's going to take place. If right now in your heart children are not a high priority or yeah, I'd like to have children someday, then guess what? When you get married, that's what's going to happen. What you set in your heart right now to love children. <clears throat> I forgot my time. What time is this session over? Is it? We have another 10 minutes. 10 minutes. <clears throat> well, I, I better draw to a close then. Just my closing thoughts here then. Of setting aim laying a foundation on the word of God. That's kind of been my, my heart this morning to communicate to you young people is to, to lay a foundation on the word of the God. Is to take this time in your young life to, to apply yourself to the word of God, to, to let it be rich in your life. You have no more, you'll have no more time the rest of your life than right now. To, to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to, to let it be real in your life. And I hope this is true for you, as it's been true in my own heart. I wish it was true every day of my life, but it, I can't say that it is, but I know there's been times uh, where the word of God is, you know, Psalms describes the word of God as it is sweet, as, as the honeycomb. It is something that I desire. It's something that, that I long for. It's, it's, I love it. it. It just excites me. It's something that, that I just can't get enough of. It's God's word and it's speaking to my own heart. Young person, have you experienced that? Have you experienced that where 
word. Just like David, you know, this, this word is as, as sweet as a honeycomb. It tastes sweet. I, I desire it. I, I want more of it. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the word? Where shall he cleanse his way? The way is where I'm going. The course that I'm on. How will I set my course right? If there's anything that I'm trying to communicate to young people, if, if you will set your aim right, if you set your course right, it's going to be according to the word of God. It's going to be applying the word of God to your life. It's going to be making the word of God meaningful to you. And I would say make it meaning to you, meaningful to you personally. You know, you're hearing instruction this week. You're hearing the word of God being expounded to you. You hear it on Sunday. You hear it in your, in your homes. But there's, there's no substitute for taking this word in your private Devotions, your private time alone with the Lord. And this word is spoken to my own heart. This word, this word is spoken, becomes precious to me because I am taking it, I am tasting it, I am, I am experiencing this word, I'm making it my own. It's what I do with this word that is going to affect the course and it's going to affect the direction of your life. <clears throat> And the last, last thing I want to say is, as I mentioned at the beginning, you are responsible for the course, for the direction of your life. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, I just want to read these two verses in closing. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitted on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set. Set. Set means it's something I do. It's not something that happens to me. It's something that I do. It's something that each one of you young people can do. You set the course. You set your affections. You set what the desires of your heart. You set them. Set your infections on things above. Other loves come into our life. But we must set our affection on things above. Our love for God, our love for the word of God, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ has to be greater love than the things of the world. You know, Jesus said that, you know, that we should hate our father, our, our, father, our mother, our brother and sister, does he really mean that we should hate them? No, he means that we need to love him supremely. It's a perlative love, a love that is greater than anything in this world. That is setting our affection on things above. That is setting our course, is to love him above all other things. Whatever those things are in your life, Set your course to love him. As the hymn writer says, the dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship 
only the can you set that in your heart this this week if you've come and there's greater loves if you come there's greater idols in your heart can you just surrender to the Lord this week can you set your affection on things above I, I sincerely hope this week, young people, that you will, you will meet with God. You will find him here as you seek his face. And God bless you richly.